Is that a clue? That's a clue. That's a big clue. That's a big clue. <laughs> this is Chris talking to you from the studios at WFC3. It is your weekly monkey business, and we are back to <clears throat> another installment of the Not A Book Club. I don't think anyone could figure out what routine. we're talking about today. I, I think that's... I, I have no idea. I think it's, it's very... It's limits, right? The, but the, the truth <laughs> is out Twilight there somewhere. Zone. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. The truth is out Califor- there. Californication? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Are we going to go through all of David Duchovny's uh, series at this Red Shoe Diaries? Oh, man, you beat me to it. Does anybody know this song? I've heard this one. Why do I know this one? <laughs> I like it. I'm just going to dance for a little while. I got a band for David Duchovny. Nice. Don't you love me? Who is this? Bree Sharp. Bree Sharp. When I, was kid, when I was little, I used to call him my old man crush. That's amazing. He's not that, and he's not that much older than I am. Great. Thanks, Doll. Oh, let's and look and see how we love Dolly. So our, our Not A Book Club laser focus, yeah, laser focus my ass, um, is going to be on X-Files this week. We're going to talk about that uh, that legendary cult that hit. That thing that you do? Oh, wait, that's a totally that thing. You do thing. That, we're going to get you back into that movie somewhere along. It's wow. a great movie. He's 57. He is? He is. He's 10 years older than I am. See? It's amazing. You're not as old. I, well, I feel, <laughs> thank so you. Not as old. Not Notice, an old man crush. Notice, yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Dolly. Did not say you weren't old. I'm, uh, yeah, not that old. But here's the thing, Dolly. I'm actually older than he was when you discovered that you had an old man crush on him. So, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, anyway, uh, here we are. We're going to be talking about the X-Files study. In particular, season three, episode 20. Uh, somebody give me the title again. It was Jose, Jose, Jose Chung's, Chung's from, from Outer, Outer Space. Space. Jose Chung from Outer Space. Well, the Jose Chung's is in normal font, and uh-huh. then from Outer Space is in italics because right. that's the book he wrote. Okay. It's called From Outer Space. All right. Was that Charles Nelson Reilly's character? Yes. Was Jose Chung? Yes. yes. Okay. So, and it's. it's it makes the, more sense now. It's, it features the, the now late Charles Nelson Reilly in, in his, uh, his over the top glory. Uh, and it, it it's kind of like. As, as Sherry and I were talking about earlier, this is kind of like leverage the Rashomon job, which we which we've covered in the past, where it's the same story but from different perspectives. Now, you've got a couple of us here who are not X Files fans, and a couple of us who are. I've never seen the show. You've never but, seen the sh- but it's one that it's always been sort of like I should watch the X Files. Mm-hmm. I'd probably like it, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it. And this was actually the first episode I ever saw. Okay, <laughs> I'm I've sorry. seen a handful of episodes of it. Yeah, and then and, and so it, it, was, I, I, it was. I kind of liked ride. it. We'll, we'll get into it. I, yeah. I kind of liked it, but okay. feel like I was missing something. All right, by and not being a, a fan going in. I, I do. I agree with you because I don't think I've ever really considered myself an X Files fan. I never was gaga over the movie and like when they did the the, the reboot recently. I was like, you know, okay, whatever. Um, I've seen a handful of X Files episodes over the years, and they've always left. I never disliked it. I've mm-hmm. never been like, Ugh, I hate this show. But I've always Friday kinda, night nine o'clock had to watch yeah, it. I've always been of the the opinion <laughs> of like, uh, all right, Sunday was it Sunday? Yeah. I knew it was one of those moved, nights. Started Friday, moved to Sunday, and you did know it wasn't a spinoff of the X Men mm-hmm. comics, right? <laughs> yes, I did know that. <laughs> I always knew that part. Now it's funny because this was this episode is twenty one years old. Uh huh. And it's this still, episode is now old enough to drink. Let's take it out because it really does need to get for schnickered. <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> funny. Oh, I thought it already was. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's uh, Someone was for schnickered in there. Wow. Is all I got to say. Um, so now Tanya and I'm Sherry, you're also a big fan of the show, yeah, yes. Uh-huh. So on the other end of the spectrum is is Tanya and Sherry. They're big X Files fans. And and Zach, you're a big fan. Right? And Zach I, is I a like fan, it. although. Mm-hmm. The latest, quote unquote, season. 
had some eh. The moment for me there is when Mulder falls off the wagon, wakes up in the cemetery to his phone ringing, and his phone, his ringtone is the X Files theme. <laughs> that would have made lo- me laugh. That would have made me laugh. And, to uh, be no, honest but with the, you. the episode was good because it was, I think, the Were Lizard. Uh huh. I have to go back and read it. It was a lizard monster, but he kept turning human because he was bitten by a human. That's, that's clever. I, that's, that was cl- clever. that's a clever I twist. I gave it that, but when he woke up to the X-Files song as his ringtone, I was like, oh. Yeah. This sounds like a Simpsons version of the was. X-Files. Well, there was. Was it, that, was it that episode where the guy talks about seducing Scully and it's just fake, he's making it up, and Mulder goes, that didn't happen. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, because that was the guy. He was posing as like a cell phone salesman or something, <laughs> but he was really a lizard. So we're going to talk about... Not 11, season 11 or season 10, which no. just happened. 10 was 10 the last just one. Happened 10 was the one just happened. 11's coming up. We're diving I back 21 wait. years to episode 20 of season 3, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, it's kind of like it's got that feeling of that Rashomon job, which we've already talked about, where it's the same thing but from different perspectives, so you're going to see different aspects and different kind of takes on on the story. The, the It starts off... With a young couple driving back from from a first date, and um, you know, and and Harold, which I thought, I, I who names you. their kid Harold? <laughs> who my, names their kid Harold? My grandmother. Your oh, it's true. Your grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother your named her yeah. oldest Harold. Yeah, but that's a classic. You know, 40s, 50s, 60s name. Who in the modern era would name their kid Harold? Is all I got to say. Is did this... you get the feeling those kids were from the 50s? Yeah, right? it, it seemed, did a little it bit. Seemed you that, had, yeah. had that feeling, but then it's like, wait a minute, they're from the same time period. But yeah, it seemed like. You know, they were coming back from the malt shop or uh-huh. something. And so they're driving back, and he's professing his undying love, and she's like, ah. Uh, this is know, her first date. First date. You know, <laughs> not sure what's going on. Hang on, you know, relax a little bit. And then all of a sudden, the car dies, and it's it's right out of classic. Close Encounters. Right like out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. alien encounter. Yep. The spotlight shows up, and then the two, you know, the, the classic alien depictions. Gray men. The gray, greys. The grays. Yeah. You know, the gray, you know, aliens. My hair is not spiky enough for this, for me to talk about this episode <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, seriously, I, it's not teased up high enough. I still got my Uncle Jesse hair working. Um, <laughs> it's Dolly's fault that, that that reference is coming up. Um, so, And then they show up, and, and the, the guy gets pulled out of the car, and, and then the damnedest thing happens. A third alien a shows third up. A third alien shows up who's bigger and nastier looking. It, it kind of reminded me of like uh, a Japanese Godzilla <laughs> um, type. It was, it was supposed to be kind of an homage to Harryhausen. Okay. But and they couldn't. That feeling, that's, that was the feeling I got. The, the funny thing is, is that they couldn't actually, they didn't have the time to do the claymation. Uh-huh. So what they did was they put a guy in a suit mm-hmm. and they had him move really fast. And then they slowed the film down so it looked like it was. It was yeah. I don't know. It definitely looked like an homage it, it to Godzilla. That, that, no, that was cool though. I did get that feeling of Ray yeah. Harryhausen and and the, the stop motion animation. Is, so. Well, we're gonna have a discussion about that. Okay. We'll we'll make a podcast about Ray Harryhausen and that'll bring up all sorts of classics movies from the fifties and sixties. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the I think it was the funny because <laughs> for me, I think. To go off track real quick, with Joss Whedon, one of the best things he does is the callbacks. So you have something that pops up, and then it, it, there's a, a reference to it later on in the show or towards the end of the movie, that same line comes up, like with, with Age of Ultron. You didn't see that coming, was that running line. So with the 
you know, the, the, the young couple, they're in the car, the car dies. What are those things? And what are those, you know, how the hell did oh, I, you know, what, when they see, when you see the gray aliens, the girl asks the, the, her boyfriend there, you know, what are those things? And his reply is, oh, how the hell am I supposed to know? And then all of a sudden the gray aliens are, are taking the guy out of the car and the, this big fella, the Harryhausen effect shows up and the gray aliens look at each other. Who the hell is this guy? How the hell am I supposed to know? And in perfect, <laughs> I'm like, like, what, what is going on here? You know? So that was, that was my first clue that. Why am I watching this? It's like, wait, what? That was like, yeah, that was like very strange at that point. Uh Because I I don't remember. I remember bits and pieces of this episode from watching it 21 years ago. Uh And and, then going back, I'm like, man, this is bad. Yeah. This I is don't bad. think bad. No. no. I don't think awesome. bad. It was, it, was, so it was like the cheese factor it was like worse for them. It because was, you can <laughs> shut off your brain for 40 so minutes. Much like, of the X, right. So much of the X-Files show was serious mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. scary. And and this one was just. Goofy. I yep, loved goofy it because of that. And when we you were talking about the, the Rashomon job and it being from lots of different points of view and what really makes it a very much a Rashomon episode is the fact that you can't trust any of the narrators. Right. Nobody's telling the truth. Not even when you see Scully talking to Jose Chung because it's Older. from Jose Chung's point of view. Yeah, you don't realize it until after the fact. Yes. yes. That you she know. that is actually from his book, so you can't really trust anything she says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I it, do like, it, except for a couple of, of of brief moments in time, that Scully seems to be the only anchor to reality throughout the whole episode. And I know that that was her, kind of Scully's role through the course of the show was to be the skeptic, to be the one who's going to be detached and more objective and and look at things more openly. And, and try to be analytical and critical of it rather than just accept it like Mulder would. So, you know, the, the handful of episodes I've watched over the years, either uh, live or, or on syndication, um, you know, she always gave me that the confidence that you could at least relate to this character. And so to see her throughout the course of this, you know, the, from Outer Space episode, you know, to have that, except for like a couple of moments when you, when you get it, that this is all from different people's perspectives, that's easy enough to figure out. Um but then, like, when they're doing the autopsy and the way she's kind of analyzing things and going through the motions and whatnot. Okay. All right. And then she's questioning Mulder on a couple of things. Okay. I get it. So so I tried to just basically watch Dana Scully throughout the entire episode because I, I halfway through, I was like, I know I'm doing my homework. I have to do my homework for the podcast. I have to get to the end of the episode. But I was like, my, my, <laughs> thumb, like, <laughs> my thumb was on the stop button through most of the second half of that episode. Well, so. part of it was it was sort of a nod to skeptics because mm-hmm. Chris Carter really always paid attention and like things like Skeptical Inquirer used to bring the show up. He actually spoke at PsyCop, which is over in Amherst about it's a TV show. You know? okay. And if you notice, it's held in Class County. Uh, that's named after Philip Class, an aeronautical engineer who's one of the bigger UFO debunkers of the 20th century. Okay. So a lot of it in the Men in Black, which was like a thing oh. probably from Ray Palmer's magazine. That's another the guy thing. guy invented it. And, you know, so... Because I, I, honestly, it was so confusing to me. I, I, I want to do a play-by-play analysis like we do for the, the book club series, but I'm going to have a hard time picking up on what thread to, to go to next. But 
having, having Jesse the Body Ventura as one of the men in black with his his very erudite and multisyllabic explanations for everything was just like the planet Venus. Yes, but the, the you surprise have of seen the planet Venus. But the surprise, the cameo, surprise of the other man in black. The, the other man in black. So through most of the episode, whenever Jesse shows up, you get the implication that there's a second man of black, man in black there. But but you never really get to see him until they're interacting with Mulder and Scully directly, and then all of a sudden you see it's Alex Trebek. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> well, and then the funny part is when it cuts back to Jose Chung and Scully talking, uh-huh. like, Alex Trebek, the game show host? Yes. Like, well, he didn't say it was him, but it looked, looked like, like him. A, I, that blew my mind. Wasn't it? It was supposed, the second man in black was supposed to be Johnny Cash. Yes. Really? But he was unavailable, but they, writ, they wrote the first part for Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Uh-huh. who in several interviews has admitted that he had no idea what he was saying. He's like, I read the script, I delivered the script, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> well, and oh Jose Chung himself was originally written for Truman Capote. Truman Capote. The problem being it was written for him after he died. Whoops. So, and then, Timing is everything, really. And Rip Taylor then they was wanted the second Rip, choice. They wanted Rip Taylor. And, and he was unavailable. He was unavailable, mm-hmm. so they went with... Charles Nelson Nelson Riley. As as a kid that grew up babysat by (laughs) 1970s uh, game shows, Mm -hmm. I know Charles Nelson Riley was originally a sitcom actor, a theater actor, and I thought he was fantastic in this. I loved seeing him in a role. Yeah. And I thought he was excellent in it. I just felt as someone that hadn't seen the X-Files before Mm -hmm. that I was missing inside jokes and that was my problem. Okay. And in terms of Capote, it's too bad they couldn't have found a ghostwriter for him to play it. Ouch. Oh, where is it? Oh, come on. Where is it? You weren't prepared for that. No. You should always. Be when, when Rob is at the table, you have to have Just it ready. Have the, yeah. have to have it ready. Well, I kind of giggled when they had the uh, Dungeons and Dragons reference in there. Yeah. And, and things like that. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for so years. I've learned I know a little bit about, about courage. courage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like everything rolled up into one. It's one enchilada of, it of weirdness. So, how do we talk about this episode even further now? It's because it's just it. What was it basically? Are was it really a story about aliens, or was it the perception of them? Because was were aliens already like, or was it just by this point in in the show had we actually gotten legitimate uh, evidence of it? Was was Mulder on on the right path, or is it just more kookiness and and Mulder was just a conspiracy theorist? Well, he was all—he always had these elements of the conspiracy theory in him. Uh-huh. But the thing is, and I think Scully was as well, but she took it from a more scientific mm-hmm. point of view, whereas Mulder was so gung ho to immediately accept it mm-hmm. and then worry about it later. Like if, in the course of investigating it, they proved it wrong, okay, that's fine. But his initial response was, "I'm going for it," mm-hmm. whereas she would sit back and just kind of shake her head at him, mm-hmm. like, you know, could what um. I know I can't remember the exact word, but when she was talking to Jose Chung and he's, you know, he was saying something about how uh, Mulder was, you Mm -hmm. know, it was not in very positive comments how he was describing him. Yeah. You know, and then the the guy that who busted into the autopsy with the camera and he's like, Agent Scully, you're being polite. The guy's a nut. (laughs) You know? 
that's why that's why I think it was sort of a satire of it. Because imagine if you watched this episode and never watched the series before, what would you think the series was about? Really, uh, we, you know, we'd think that it was like a hoax and cheesy and yeah, debunking, debunking. Mm-hmm. Now, have you seen Jose Chung's Doomsday Defense from Millennium? No, I have not. That's not it's a show a f- I've watched. It's yes, a follow-up. He, he was of, one of the crossover people. It was a crossover from the Fox's Millennium series. Oh, really? So they did, uh, Um, it was the ninth episode of the second season, so it's one of Sherry's middle of the Middle of the pack thing. type of things. <laughs> she likes that middle of the pack. So Charles Nelson Riley playing Jose Chung, comes to the aid of Frank Black and the Millennium Group when a bizarre religious group known as Selfosafi a parody of the real real world Scientology targets him for harassment because of his authorship of a short story concerning the cult. The question becomes, as Frank puts it, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how the hell should I know? Type thing. So I'm like, I. So at some point, they thought enough of the character to bring him back for, for, for another others. shot. Yeah. And you know, and now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that part of Millennium because mm-hmm. if you were an X Files fan, you kind yeah, of gravitated gravitate towards, towards Millennium. Millennium like, like and, I did. Type thing. And then so, unfortunately he canceled that and went back to the X Files. Yeah, so All right. As as a not or an X Files fan and having watched this episode, I'm I'm gonna refer this to the X Files fans in the room, you know what what should I take away from this episode? What should I ignore? And then where should I start? If I really wanted to kind of give X Files an honest look at this point, if this if this episode gave me enough inclination to go come start do I start at the beginning? Do I start at season two? Do I skip that? Jump to season four? Do I just watch the movie? You know, how no, would, don't no. watch the movie. Don't watch no. the movie. <laughs> no, I think I think truly um, you probably would start at the beginning because okay. it, it it starts the relationship between the believer and the non-believer, the, uh-huh. the one that believes in all that there's other forms out there, and then the one that's the scientist. It's that paramount. It's what the whole show shows. is really about. Right. And the, the relationship between the two? Or, and, and, yeah. and this is... Is it um, a Sam and Diane thing? Sorry to interrupt, but is it? Like, do they hook up? They hook up, don't they? I don't think they ever no, I don't think they ever I officially... There was always that tension, but yeah. it never officially... Yeah, he he go, did like, propose to her at one point, but, I, but it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and like this episode, it, they, it talks about their different perceptions of it that they perceive scully as the quote-unquote believer and Mulder is not the believer mm-hmm. type thing because he's telling him don't publish the book because right d- so they right, kind right. of switch they switch see places switch places is this one of those episodes where they just try and do something different to i don't want not keep the fans entertained but just maybe even to keep themselves entertained like this past year supergirl did an episode where they basically sang and danced it turned into an episode <laughs> of glee yeah. oh right because yeah. most well, of the and, cast was from glee at one and, point. did no, they bring Moon, in the flash yes, yes. yes. okay so and there you Moonlighting go. back in the day had an episode where it took place in like the 30s or 40s you get that whole film detail. noir yeah. kind of a feel exactly. i remember that episode yeah. We should book club that episode because that was a lot of fun. Well, that- Jillian Anderson does state that this is one of her absolute favorite episodes. Really? That she had so much fun doing. Because I think because it's not in her normal it element. It was different okay. for them. So, it gave her a chance to yeah, do something and, different and, with Scully. And it looks at the 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 um, author, Jose Chung's perception of mm. these characters uh-huh. type things. So he sees her as the person and this whatever. As, so a, it, as a non-exphiliac or whatever I would be. <laughs> I, 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 I got the impression I was missing inside jokes on how the yeah, characters interact yeah. with each other. There's yeah. definitely lots of inside mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. that goes on the first three episode, the first three seasons, and it's funny because I 
I think the alien that was sitting in the um, cage smoking cigarette. That made just, me laugh. It reminded <laughs> yeah. me of the smoking man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a re- reoccurring. And the line that he says, this it, can't be happening, this can't be happening, is brought back, back. several times later in the, in, so, in the series. So pays homage to other things that have happened in the series. See, and that, that really... F's with my OCD. Because <laughs> you're a completist, and now you have to go back and start at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I know. But, yeah, so, I mean, we were diehard X-Files fans every Friday or Sunday night and mm-hmm. whatever, and if we couldn't be home, we were recording it on our VCR. All right, so help me translate yeah, some of the... Go ahead, Dell. What's that, Dell? I was a preteen Boy. when uh, X-Files came out. and I wanted I to be I didn't get Scully. to watch what I wanted to watch, so I never actually watched X-Files. Mm-hmm wanted to i mean i watched the movie <laughs> can can we take a moment to talk about the diner scenes i wanted to bring those up <laughs> i wanted to bring those up because i was going to actually ask that like the question i was forming was you know is, is there like a a primer a key to the in jokes because i was going to ask about the diner scene because the first version of it when you know Mulder's there talking to the pilot did you notice what he was doing with his food yeah i was going to say the little slight <laughs> You know, kind of molding his mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't the only one who caught that. Yeah. Good. The right. homage to what was that? Close, Close Encounters. Close Encounters. encounters. Uh huh. And then the second one where it was him with the pie. Sweet that, potato pie. The sweet yeah, potato pie. That was actually a homage to um, oh another show that David Duchovny was on. Um, Red Shoes Diary? No. Um, Californication? <laughs> no, You're not helping. Was... <laughs> You're Evolution. really not helping here. What? Evolution. Evolution. That's, oh, that <laughs> I, was a great movie. I actually movie. like that movie. I, I love, love that movie. <laughs> I still um, do it. Uh, uh, Twin Peaks. Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Twin Peaks. Wait, David Duchovny was in Twin Peaks? Yes, he was. Oh, Seriously? Yes, he, yes was. he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> I did not know that. I completely forgot about yep. that. Because that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Because I was, I was gonna ask if there was some sort of a homage going on there to to something other David Lynchy type of us. Because yeah. you know what, yes. that's it. That's what I was thinking the entire time. This episode made me feel like David Lynch was behind it somewhere along the line. <laughs> yeah. Because it was just there was so much. It wasn't just perception. It wasn't just. It was absurd. That yes, it, yes. It, there was that's almost, what I love about it. That was it was almost le- like the level of obnoxious. But, I don't think it quite reached that. Oh, I was there. I mean, especially with like, <laughs> but you know, when you have the gray alien in the cage smoking a cigarette, you know, doing the Rain Man back and forth, going, "This is not happening. This is not happening." For me, that was like, what? That's <laughs> kind of how you felt watching the episode. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, I wanted to be sitting there doing the Rain Man thing myself, going, "This but is." But I just happening. loved how it turned everything on its head. The 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 gray was supposed to be the bad guy, uh-huh. and then he's the one in the cage, and the mm-hmm. guy saying, "I won't let anything else happen to you." Just before she's sucked up, and he hides I, in the corner. I loved yeah, you're a great protector. I love yeah. that about it. Yeah. There was so much going on there. Wow, he was and, in just a recent episode of Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's yep. what I mean. They brought him Denise, back. Uh, um, D agent Dennis Bryson, or Dennis something, and now um, Denise Bryson. Yeah, because so they brought him back in drag because he had made he had made the reference. Yeah, he, yes. yeah. You know, in between the original Twin agent Peaks and Dennis, the new Twin Peaks. Agent Dennis, and then mm-hmm. which okay. is what he, is what the character wanted. Yes. yes. That's and it, they they hinted at it in the original series, and then he came out in full drag, and mm-hmm. yeah, there was three episodes. Yeah, and nobody that. seemed to care because David well, Lynch was sitting there yelling at him. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yep. 
Oh boy. Exactly. Yes. Oh yes. I just want to see David Duchovny in drag. <laughs> He, you no, know no, what the thing go is? Go see uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, that's a great movie. That is another great one. Billy, you, did you have a point, Billy? No, I, I was just I was looking at the Wikipedia for this episode mm-hmm. and and noticed a, a couple additional nods it gave, like the uh, the job of uh, lineman, which uh, what was the character's name? Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Yeah. Uh, that was the mm-hmm. the job held by uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character in Close Encounters. Was it really? Yeah. There's a nod. That's interesting. And uh, I just want to say, I like the uh, the detective where they replaced his swearing. Oh, with the bleepy. With... Yeah, he's he's <laughs> actually saying bleepy, blanky, bleepy. I, I thought that was funny. I like when well, they... he didn't yeah. really say bleepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and at the, the, le- the last scene that the detective was in, and he's walking away. You can hear under his breath, blank. <laughs> <laughs> I did get a kick out of that. When they see the dead end. That's a bleeping dead alien right there. <laughs> I've never seen one. Oh, my God. And David Duchovny's response yeah. when that, walking up to the That high-pitched shriek. So oh, my God, yes. That was so like that, amazing. I thought he was a mandroid until he saw it. Oh. <laughs> Eric, I can't get my voice there. Erica, uh, Erica was in the other room when, when that happened. All of a sudden, that screech hits, and she goes, what scared her? <laughs> like, that was, I go, honey, that was David Duchovny. And she goes, no. So I, I had think, to rewind that, actually, so she could see it. I think that is the single funniest moment in all of the X-Files. Because it was so deadpan, too. He just walks up and goes, ah! <laughs> like, what? <laughs> You know, and I think another thing about that episode, because actually later on that that evening, I ended up wa- catching the second half of the redo of Ghostbusters mm-hmm. and watching Chris Hemsworth, mm. because <laughs> he was the best Sorry. part of that movie for me. The of sandwich course. thing at the end, but <laughs> I mean, it, it it's Chris Hemsworth. Watch that movie. That's I it right that there. Movie. It harkened back to me f- to watching the old Mel Brooks movies, the yes. older Mel Brooks movies, because it's like they take these serious actors and they let them off the rails, and it's like maybe it's just like a little mental break for them that they can get that opportunity to be goofy, to be silly, something they're not usually permitted to do in what they're acting in. Uh huh. You know. Just something different to, you know, kind of blow off a little steam and see that, hey, we can be funny. And I love the inside joke of just the name, Jose Chung. I don't understand. Okay. <laughs> there was there was a ongoing joke, ongoing prank going on behind the, uh, behind the scenes where one of the people in production would call up Say their name was Jose Chung Mm -hmm. and want to know about an unsolicited script that he had submitted. And he would call like every uneven intervals and just, well, did you get my script? And so it just became this ongoing thing. So then when this, so when they needed a name, they chose that name. And then people were confused when all of a sudden they had a script with the name Jose Chung on it. And then they get Charles Nelson Riley to play a, <laughs> yes. a guy with a Hispanic first name and an, yes. an, an, an Asian last name. Yep. And so, yeah, that that in and of itself was like, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I gotta, I gotta think. How many times during the course of the evening last night when I was watching this episode, that like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? See, I I watched it at midnightish. Oh, like, there you oh. go. A- after I, I watched the baseball game Friday night and mm-hmm. some post game, so I, and then I. Let me watch this X Files. I'm mm-hmm. still awake, and I don't normally get to stay up late. 
And so I, I just thought maybe it was the hour at which I was watching it. Maybe it either enhanced my enjoyment of it or <laughs> or made me a little more confused, but just willing to go with it. It's it's like heavy metal, Pink Floyd's The Wall, and and Fantasia. You, mm. Those are things you have to watch when you're stoned out of your damn mind. Mm. 2001. So, <laughs> X, Ooh, 2001. 2001 Space Odyssey. X-Files, you have to watch at midnight. To be able to get a true appreciation I of it. I think I might have to do that tonight. Just, what, get stoned out of your mind? Well, no. No. <laughs> no, it's Sunday. It sounds, <laughs> and if it's Sunday, it's meet the press. But anyway. <laughs> but. What, watch X-Files at midnight? Yeah, we watch that X-Files episode at midnight, at midnight tonight and see if it changes anything. Maybe it'll make more sense if I was exhausted. That's the thing. It's going to be the new label, Watch After Midnight. Watch yeah. After Midnight. Is that our new rating system? That's, I give it three Watch After Midnights. And, and the, the, the damn thing is we'll have to clarify that because, in essence, what will happen is people will be like, oh, is it not appropriate for children? No, you just have to be really that tired and that weird. <laughs> no, you have but, to be, Honestly, that's one of the reasons late night uh, uh, talk shows. Mm-hmm. The, the monologues are funnier if you stay up. If you're rewatching it on DVR it's or back in the old days VHS, it's not as funny mm-hmm. as if you're up late watching Letterman or Carson. You laughed harder late at night than you do rewatching it the next day in the afternoon. I, I agree. My example for that is I've been watching Jimmy Kimmel lately. Mm-hmm. But I also have an Echo Dot, so I have my Alexa flash report in mm-hmm. the morning, and the, the last thing on the report is she breaks out with Jimmy Kimmel's monologue from the previous night. And I'm like, oh, this is good. I laughed a lot last night, and I didn't find it as funny in the morning <laughs> as I did in the evening, apparently. So there's there's something to be said about that. Well, I I, I, the other night, I fell asleep with uh, my iHeartRadio stand-up comedy channel on, mm-hmm. and I woke up in the middle of the just randomly see you wake up. I heard... A monologue, no, a Chris Rock piece, which I'm sure is hilarious, Mm -hmm. but I remember laughing hysterically, going, I'll never forget this, and I'll come back, and I can't tell you what it was. (laughs) I just know it was Chris Rock, and I was laughing so hard I was crying, and now I don't know what it was. Those are great moments. It's sad that we can't remember them sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you might get a different perspective watching this. So you want me to watch Jose Chung from Outer Space at midnight? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. okay. Not this? tonight, though. Not tonight. Okay. How about this? It couldn't hurt. It couldn't <laughs> hurt. <laughs> so, Chris, I have a question. For Go ahead, you. Sherry. Do you normally like absurdist humor? Not really. Then yeah. that's the problem. I do. It, I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not a dystopian type novel. Or well, I don't. I don't know if I need to have that in my life as much as that's been pointed out. But like. Like Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler movies. I, I can't. that's not absurdist. That's not absurd. Okay, no. give me give me a give me an uh, example. Monty, Monty, Monty Python. Python. Monty See, Python. I love Monty Python. Old Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Yeah, I love that stuff. But I'm talking like I'm talking before he went full on parody. I'm talking uh-huh. like yeah. silent movie. I'm talking silent movie was phenomenal. Um, uh, high anxiety. Those mm-hmm. type movies are more airplane. Absurd. The twelve Air, like air, airplane was hilarious. And that's one of those, those the, silly... Then you're you know, obviously wrong. You really enjoyed this X-Files episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Billy, sure. Billy knows the truth is out there. Surely you did. Because I'm telling you, I don't like... I did, like, and don't, I don't call me like Shirley. What I, call, yeah, I don't like what I call stupid comedy, and that's yeah, when we're that's talking. Yeah, that's Will Ferrell. Like, Will, there's only one Will Ferrell movie I actually like. And that is? That is... Um, the last one. <laughs> no. Um... Oh my God! Totally blanking on the name of it. He turns out he he finds out that he's a character in a novel. I was just, but he's a it's real got person. Emma Thompson. Oh, is it in, right? Emma Thompson. Sliding doors or something? No. Like that? No. no. I got nothing on that one. Hold on, looking. It's really an excellent film. It's so good, and it's looking. very absurdist. Well, figure it out. 
Um, and Stranger we'll book club it. Stranger, Stranger than fiction. Stranger. Yes, that's yeah. a fantastic Keeper film. Keeper Sutherland's back in the White House. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Is oh, Tony Court that, coming um, back? Yeah. No, designated, designated survivor. survivor. Oh. Yes. Love that yeah. I'm like, sorry, I got that's distracted. Well, didn't they do a 24 without him? Will Ferrell. Anyway, yeah, he did. My yeah. Off. See, my, I, What's that? Like, I, I watch Will Ferrell when I want to turn my brain off. Like, I, I love I, Step Brothers when mm. I just feel like. Oh, God, like, I can't do it. No. I can't I can't do it. Those I, and there's only a couple Adam Sandler films I'll watch. Only the ones with Drew Barrymore. Yes, Fifty First Dates, <laughs> I don't like your um, The Wedding Singer, The Wedding Singer, no. and the the one the most recent one that they did together wasn't. Terrible. I don't know, but the, but the only other movie I've seen is Happy Gilmore because that, for me that it began one, and ended with Billy Madison. Can I tell you something that I'm very very ashamed of, but I will tell you anyways, ooh, Tanya. Ooh, this would be good. Tell, tell us, tell us. <laughs> I've seen Happy Gilmore seven times in the theater. Willingly? Wow. No, was paid to do it each time. And over By a two-week period, uh-huh. I wanted to die. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was part of my job. Get in the hole. What, no, what kind of job do you have no. that you watch Happy Gilmore seven I times? I used to I used to work for a program where I would pick up people with developmental disabilities, oh, adults, okay. and take them out for the evening. And when I first started, they're like, oh, we'll give her a really easy week. We'll schedule her to go take them, take all of her groups to the movies. And I had seven different groups. And you all, you and had I to felt was, this is not for me. This is for them. I let them choose the movie. <laughs> and they chose Happy Gilmore. Group chose Happy Gilmore. <laughs> It's also why I've wow. seen a very Brady sequel in the theater too. I, that's pretty. I saw that. I thought that was funny. I enjoyed that. Oh lord! And well, we won't even discuss the Cable Guy. No. Cable oh, actually, dark. Uh, that's very dark. It was very dark. Did anybody is that the else one with like Carrie? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Matthew. Before he began his right, right. weird crusade. Did, uh, am I the only one that didn't like Wedding <laughs> Crashers? I didn't even watch Wedding Crashers. Okay. That's that's Vince Vaughn and, and Vince uh, Vaughn. Yeah. Owen, liked, Owen Wilson. I yeah. liked Wedding Crashers. Yeah. And we started watching okay it the it. other night and then decided not to anymore. <laughs> I think we did that too at one point. We're like, yeah, no. This is sort of like our own Jose Chung. We're going all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's normal for us. This is normal. Uh, From is, different perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is very normal yeah, for us to like be all over God's more. Green Earth. No, no. I don't like anything she's done. I Firestarter. Firestarter was a good movie. E.T. E.T. was cute. I don't like E.T. Scared me when I was a kid. Why not? He's a Jedi. It's another Star Wars movie. (laughs) Seriously. We love Star Wars. Watch watch it. It's a Star Wars spinoff. That's all. Monk didn't like E.T. either. Well, it's okay. I like Reese's Pieces. The first place I saw my very first crush. Who's your very first crush? Henry Thomas? Thomas Owl. Oh. Oh, That's right. Yeah, You've talked about her in the past, too. Him. Yeah. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> That's it. We're calling him. <laughs> I'm going to put my glasses down because obviously I can't see shit. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I met him once. glasses problem. <laughs> oh, there it is. Shots fired from Damn. the back of the room. Catching fire from the back row, the peanut gallery has thrown harpoons. <laughs> You're like, ooga, ooga, dive, yeah, dive. Dive, dive. <laughs> Where do we go from here? <laughs> I hope to Christ this works. All right. How far into this are we? Can we are we far enough in that we can actually just say it's it? I'm uh, done. 35 minutes? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Zach, you yes. suggested this one. Yes. Okay. For those who did not enjoy the absurdist humor or just didn't get the inside jokes, can you recommend someplace else for people to start? Honestly, I agree with what Tanya said. You kind of have to start from the beginning. At least give it a couple episodes. 
because it's the dynamic between the two that is the most important because mm-hmm. that leads to everything else. Gotcha. Well, I will also state that the whole thing of for the Not a Book Club came from our conversation about what was watchable, rewatchable, and, watchable and, and what, what was not. Yeah. And this was my, I was having a real hard time getting through the first season. Mm-hmm. It's very serious. Right. It's very... Macabre? No. No? It's, it's kind of slow. Okay. So you got to get through... See, but now if you think about it, like with, with Chris having watched this one first, the most absurd episode that ever was... Having seen that it gets to that point eventually, maybe do you think it might make it a little more tolerable at the beginning with it being as slow as it was? Well, I knew this episode was coming, and I was still having trouble. Mm. I mean, I know in terms of the series in general, I watched it all the way through, and I mm-hmm. call myself a lukewarm fan because when it first came out, I had a, I was going to a New Year's party. I had to wait to watch the Jersey Devil episode. I really got into it. That was a I good really episode. I really got into it. <laughs> and I liked the funnier episodes like War of the Cockrophages. But I always said... I just thought for me the show in entirety could have been better. That was me. It was like I was waiting for it to just take that leap to going, okay, I like this, but it doesn't get a lot of momentum here. Mm-hmm. Come on, take that next level. But it kept going back. I thought the alien stories sometimes that went along were just were not doing it for me. I think, in my opinion, I think the show was best when it was monsters, when it was when they were dealing with um, just like things like the Jersey Devil. Do they do like full on paranormal stuff, like supernatural paranormal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, before it started switching mainly to government cover ups yeah, and conspiracies and I, assassinations that's, that's and all I that. Did not, which is probably why I had so much trouble with the first season, is because they had more of that. Mm-hmm. It was more, you were very aware that these were government agents and there was more of the bureaucracy mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Whereas in second, third, fourth seasons, you were starting to get more into. Is one of the few shows that can say I actually enjoyed more the Creature of the Week. See, I yeah. love the Monster of the Week format. When yeah. Smallville first started, that mm-hmm. was sort of the the thing. What uh, kryptonite infected person would bother Clark and his friends this week? <laughs> and I and I like that rather than having to think about how this episode ties in with you know, a season and a half ago with the one side character and okay. trying to keep all that straight. Yeah, and the irony of that was Chris Carter was a huge fan of Kolchak, the Night Stalker. I love that and show. I love that show myself. And he didn't want to do the Monster of the Week because he thought that's why the show started going downhill so fast. But I do agree that I think the Monster of the Week episodes on X-Files were the best episodes. Mm. Hmm. All right. So for those of us who are not X-Files fans... And our introduction to the show was was this absurd piece of, of storytelling. It, the, the recommendation is yes, you're, you're go back, start to the beginning, be aware that the first season is is, is slow and methodical, and but use that as a foundation to then go forth into to, to the rest of the story. And, and be prepared to have to watch something completely ridiculous again when you get about two-thirds of the way through the third season. <laughs> yes. But it'll make more sense the yes. second time through, is what you're saying. Yes. Spoilest thing for me. Are there really aliens in the X-Files universe? You'll have to watch and see. No, no, spoil it for me. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. Comic is, book. Is it, is, it, is it a real... Is it because, do they eventually like make contact with something, or has it just been one, one debunking after another? They're not saying a thing. You guys are not, you're two not on my two side. Two plus two is chicken. <laughs> <laughs> the 
truth isn't here, it's out there. The, the, it's out there. The truth is out there. Yes. You know, and I'll tell I, you that. And right now, I, it's been so long, I couldn't even, couldn't even tell, tell me. me, tell you See, that, I would way. think something like that would be memorable. And Sam never made it home. Oh, Sam, it's Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. <laughs> did they ever, wait, did, but, the, but, did Gilligan and the professor ever get off the island? Once they, they got beat off the, on the island. What, what, once oh. they beat oh. the Harlem oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once they beat the Harlem Globetrotters. That's yeah. it. That's right. That Scooby-Doo was the referee. I remember that. Okay, Chris, is that your fan fiction? No, no, not really. <laughs> not yet. Not, not yet. No, I'm not old enough for that yet. Um, <laughs> let, let me let me make this observation, and then the diehard fans can can tell me if I'm in the right spot. The the truth is out there is one of the slogans, but I want to believe is the is one of the other common phrases. I want to believe. I I get the feeling, and and, and watching it last night kind of kind of put this thought in my head. Where I want to believe can be go can go in two different ways depending on which main character you're looking at. With Mulder. I want to believe means means he's willing to accept anything because he wants to believe. But with Scully, it's I want to believe is, is I really I would like to, but there's too much telling me that it's not. So am, am I am I well, kind of in the ballpark there? Well, there's an interesting episode where Scully's a Christian. And right. There's an episode I don't remember the name of it, but Michael Berryman's in it. It's, it's got stigmata, mm-hmm. and Mulder says something to the effect, you know, you take this as your faith, but you can't believe this. What I believe, right? In. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. It definitely pulls on to like her religious beliefs that okay. believe that with the Christian values, but you can't necessarily believe that there's potential of having aliens out there. So it's like then it goes into her medical scientific type mm-hmm. thing that she this is what um, it's very <laughs> structured for her. Gotcha. So she has her faith. But then she doesn't necessarily believe in that. And a lot of characters in a lot fantasy. of different shows and movies and books, a lot of characters have gone through that uh, that that kind of conundrum where they are they are religious, they have a faith to them, but there are certain things they just can't accept. And it, you know, it's like, wait, what qualifies and what doesn't? So it, it's I guess that would be something to concentrate as you watch the Scully character evolve. Mm-hmm. No, but I think you hit the nail right on the head. How did I do that? With the um, like the two different perspectives of. Of the Four same simple thing. words. I want to believe. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to believe because, you know, this is everything I've thought about my entire life versus, well, I kind of want to, but mm-hmm. it's a little far-fetched or out there. But mm-hmm. no, it's absolutely. And it's like, how do people with two such opposing viewpoints on such an already polarizing thing kind of get along as well as they did for the run of the show and well, be able to work together? In well, that aspect. Scully's motivation as a character was the fact that this was her job. This was the job she was assigned to. This was her paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so if she didn't work with Mulder, <laughs> she was right. going to be broke. <laughs> so I really got the feeling that she was just like along for the ride at the beginning because, you know, they t- her bosses told her you had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, am, I, am I wrong in that kind of a, no. you know, okay. No. Not at all. And then, then as, as things unfolded, she kind of, I don't know if she went all in. I'm not, I'm not as much of a fan, so I don't know a lot of the later episodes. She, did she ever go all in, do you think? All in, I don't. I wouldn't say all in, no. mm. but she became, you know, less skeptical. Less skeptical okay. slash a bit more open minded. Gotcha. There's there's a great episode, um, and I can't even remember what it was. I just re- I always remembered this scene mm-hmm. was that <clears throat> for some reason she goes to a town without Mulder. Mulder, and she's trying to figure out what's going on, and she's checking in with him, and she's saying, well, it's not witchcraft because of this. And it's not this creature because of this. And it's and she's going down the list and she's just like like she's like debunking oh. everything. Yeah, just saying it's not this. But the fact that she's and all of a sudden he just goes, Scully, will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a wonderful scene where he was just like, yes. 
She's starting to her. understand. Yeah. She's starting to get it. <laughs> I've got. Her. She's saying it's not these things, but she's actually contemplated that they were these things. Yes, that's. I, I get that. Okay, so all right. So now, a, a while back, a while back, we uh, did a not a book club for the TV show Warehouse Thirteen. Yes. yes. Was that a lighter-hearted attempt at being X-File-ish? I, I was always thinking that Warehouse 13 was a light, light-hearted attempt to cross X-Files and, and Friday the 13th. Or what or what was the one where there was, they were always collecting the evil artifacts? Yeah, Friday the 13th. It the was a Friday the 13th, the series? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I saw those two things being put together and thrown into the Eureka universe, which is very, not absurd, but eccentric and entertaining and, and light-hearted and has... has the serious adventure with the comedic aspect to it, because you know when you have Eddie McClintock, you get, get right because nothing's going to be taken seriously. Um, so yeah, yeah. Oh, I, he was kind of serious on Bones. Well, yeah, well, yeah, that was a different show. Yeah. But when, did somebody establish that Bones and Eureka and Warehouse Thirteen were all in the same universe? Somebody no. was talking about that one. No. Some, oh no, no, I remember what it was. Bones. It was Alphas. Bones. Uh, Alpha and NCIS. And strangely and, enough, Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, strangely enough. <laughs> and, and, and The Finder. Yeah. The Finder, which was a short-lived series that had yes. Michael Clark Duncan in it. Yes, because that, that, that was actually a spinoff. That was a spinoff, spin-off of, Bones. of Bones. Pretty sure yeah. the Smurfs were involved somehow. Yeah, somehow, <laughs> most likely. Of Gargamel. Be- yes. Back to Jose Chung. I'm looking... Oh. <laughs> Jesus. The, the, the Ho- Jose Chung episode, uh-huh. uh, the Wikipedia says that... Uh, let's see. What the some uh, who's Darren? Darren, uh, Darren writer Darren Morgan says that this is one of a seminal episode. It, uh, compares it to uh, Twilight Zone's Eye of the Beholder and Trouble with Tribbles mm-hmm. of the original Star Trek. It's gonna be one of those episodes that is immediately revered. Mm-hmm. So revered, everybody. We all agree. <laughs> We're out. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So it, okay, so X Files. uh, Season 3, Episode 20, Jose Chung from Outer Space, or Jose Chung's from Outer Space, uh, is definitely an an episode that is going to cause discussion. You're either going to get into it or you're going to scratch your head. And and so one way or another, it could be that gateway drug to the X-Files universe, and and, uh, and we would invite you to... uh, to take that ride and see if maybe the truth is indeed out there. Den uh, of Geek listed it as the 10th best episode of the series. 10th best episode? Wow. Yeah. It doesn't speak volumes ten. of it, in my opinion. But it's in the we'll top 10. But top I will, 10. I will say this. It's okay. like it, love it, or don't understand it. I don't think I've ever met anybody that hated it. Okay. That that particular episode. And and I will be in that list. That's fine. I, I definitely did not hate it. There were some things that just, I laughed <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah, like, it was a lot of head scratchers. Like, <laughs> like, what? And I think that really the first thing we talked about was for those who didn't watch a lot of it, uh-huh. it was such, it was very much a serious show to all of a sudden seeing these characters that you've just spent almost three whole seasons with be so absurd uh-huh. was just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I can see the value of that. Yeah. It's it's like watching um you know Game of Thrones and suddenly Game of Thrones does a whole Benny Hill episode. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, that, that would definitely make you scratch your head. Yeah. The musical, musical episode Excalibur. of Supernatural. <laughs> That was a great episode. Or any of their, no, they, they do it. They do, it, they do or the French <laughs> mistake. There it is. <laughs> I guess that's our, uh, our cue. I think, I think Billy is just having some fun. No, I just want, I like the Benny Hill theme. That's, oh. that's a great thing. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't her cue? That was hilarious. So, so from there, so basically from there, we'll we'll go ahead and just say, you know, this could be that gateway drug, like I said, to the, to the X Files universe. So give it a shot. Be wary of, 
you know, the first season and what we've said about it. Be wary of what's coming up in the third <gasps> season. Now I'm definitely going to have to go back and rewatch it to find those other little cameos because see, that's it I now. see Blaine is seen wearing a space above and beyond t-shirt during his interview and that was a great show that, that was they good, that was canceled. A fun show. I, I noticed that right away actually. I'm like, yeah. I was, I was had my phone in front of me for some of it, so, oh. I didn't so let, let me. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to come step oh. away from the X Files conversation. We'll take this plane in for a landing for today's episode, and I just want to mention real quick um, that today, as we're recording, is October 15th. So it's going to be a couple weeks before you hear this, but it's October 15th, and it's been one year of Monkey Business. Uh, really? our, our first anniversary, our first episode was aired on October 12th oh. of 2016, and so I just want to say happy birthday to us. Woo! You know. Yeah, hey, it's been okay. a year, 52 episodes. And 50, we got 50, treats 50, 50, today. We got treats. 54th. 54th episode. And uh, and Sherry brought in cupcakes, so we're all very, we're celebrating right I'm now. I'm expecting by the, by the time you hear this, I'll be in the hospital in diabetic a diabetic coma. A diabetic coma. No. Yeah. I may be dead. Have some You're protein. hearing me from beyond the grave. <laughs> have some protein. Pretty spooky, isn't it? Yeah. Beyond the grave. That's a, that's Offset plug, that sugar with protein. Cheap plug, monkey. But, uh, but we wanted. Business has the same birthday as my sister. Look at she, that. She texted me and asked me to work her into this somehow, so there you go, There Allison. you there go. You go. Happy, happy, birthday. happy birthday to Zach's sister. What was her name again? Allison. Allison. Happy birthday to Her birthday in my death day hmm. no. <laughs> we're Did not written, we're not done with you yet billy but i wanted to say oh, thank you death day. Death day? i want to say was, say oh, thank horrible. you to, i just wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners uh all five of you and um and danny and danny from uk that's number six yeah. that's number six no, and i have to say Zach's i'm really dad. glad to be here today too especially for the 50th anniversary but uh-huh. also i was you know but i was sideswiped by oliver queen out there and he said hey wait a second it wasn't your fault i had the green arrow there it is and billy was ready but uh, thank you to all our listeners for hanging out with us, for for often putting up with us, for uh, for joining us on this adventure, and for you know, and keep your eyes open because this this is going to start becoming a very wild ride in the future. We've got a lot of things planned. More so than now. More so than now. We've got a lot of things planned. We got some stuff Buckle in the works. Buckle up, baby cakes. Buckle up, friends, because uh, this is going to be a fun ride, and we're we're happy that you're joining us on it. So for for Billy. For Tanya, for Dolly, for Sherry, for myself, I am Chris, for Zach, for Robin, for Monkey Girl hanging out in the background. This has been Monkey Business, a product of the Mighty Monkey Corporation. Purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic Con coming at you June 9th and 10th of 2018 at the Rochester Riverside Convention Center. Follow us on Facebook. You can find us in the search bar, FC3ROC. And if you're interested in advertising or maybe sponsoring us, we can take all questions and comments through email. Sponsors at fc3roc.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next Wednesday.